Hello and welcome to the Undecided Podcast. I'm Logan. And I'm Natalie. And today we have a very exciting episode. It's something we are both very intrigued in, which is real estate. Yes. Um, My friend, Alec Lawrence, who I've known for like, I guess, 20 years now since we were kids, he is in real estate, but he is a he works in brokerage, which Natalie and I at the beginning did not really know the difference between that and a real estate agent. But that mm-hmm. is basically what this episode is about, kind of the difference between the two, what the whole real estate business entails. I always thought that real estate was basically comprised of real estate agents, landlords, tenants. Yep. But in this episode, you're going to learn that there's property managers, which is Alec, mm-hmm. and a whole lot more. So it's actually very interesting. And how you kind of go about getting into the real estate business, whether it be through yes. college, through trade school, it can be like so many different ways. And you really don't have to be a certain age to be in real estate. Like I feel like a lot of degrees and businesses, you kind of have to start out young. But I mean, in Alex, since he did start out young, but you can really go into the business, I feel, at kind of any age, you know? So it's a very multifaceted industry mm-hmm. with a lot of different moving parts, which makes it really interesting and I think kind of exciting to learn about because it will seem very appealing for many different types of people. By the end of the episode, you will probably want to get your real estate license. Definitely. Natalie and I both want to get our real estate license. And I'll even say that everyone should do it. <laughs> I am 100% in. (laughs) I'm in too. So with that, let's get into the episode. Okay, Alec, tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who may not know who you are. Well, my name is Alec and I am from uh, Denver, Colorado, a suburb at least. That's why I know (laughs) you. Um. How long ago? When did you, how old were you when you moved to? I was like six when I moved there, but Mm -hmm. I don't really remember much of that time. Mm -hmm. I I feel like my earliest memory is like 12 years old and all my memories early are with like you and Shelby. (laughs) Got it. Well, then I've known you for like 20-ish years. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I know. It's been a long, yeah, we were neighbors. So, um, Grew up in Arvada, and uh, Logan and I were neighbors till I was probably about eight or nine, I think, and then we moved to another suburb outside of Denver. Um, went to school out there until college. Came out to San Diego. Went to SDSU. Got my business degree with a real estate emphasis, and I currently live in La Jolla. And I am a real estate manager, a commercial property manager. So that is a little bit about me. So what was college like for you? Because I've heard SD is kind of, isn't it kind of like a party school a little bit, right? It is. And I was the biggest nerd there because (laughs) I was at the parties. I was such a nub. I um, was back on getting out of school. So I, I wanted to, I was like, no, I need to make some money. I need to get out of here. So I crunched. Um, my degree into three years. Wow. And it was a very dark time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a very dark so time. 
It was very dark. Those were dark days. Not as dark as today, but those were dark days. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I just uh, kind of powered through. I left with, you know, a handful of friends and whatnot, but I didn't live in the dorms or anything. I was very much in the library, like a nerd. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so, but it's okay. I'm here now. Yeah, I feel like that was worth it. Do you regret doing it so (laughs) fast? Because three years for a degree is a very short time. Like it took me six years. (laughs) Yeah, I regret. I definitely regret doing it that fast. I don't know what I was thinking. I just had all these like kind of preconceived notions of what life was going to be like after school. And Mm -hmm. I didn't take advantage of that being like the most fun time of your life. And mm-hmm. so it also was a real, you know, sucker punch when it came time to start looking for jobs because I thought, oh, well, just another feather in my cap. I can say, you know, I graduated in three years. I did this. I did that. I'm clearly motivated. Uh, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the job, yeah. Really? It took me nine months to land a job. And it was wow. very like spooky. I'm like, oh God, what have I done? And I had a great GPA. <laughs> And I had volunteer experience and all that stuff that you want on paper. I look good. Um, But uh, yeah, it just took a long time to actually get a job. So it made doing that college stuff in three years just not worth it. That (laughs) really surprises me. I would think that that would be so impressive to employers that they would be wanting to scoop you right up. Nope, there was a wow. little bigger and better than me at the time. So it's like, okay, I'll take my little pack and leave. Thanks. So <laughs> what age did you graduate college? Were you 22? I, I was 21. Mm-hmm. Okay, 21. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is That's early. so young. <laughs> yeah. It was a nutty time. Um, yeah, no, I was 21 wow. and like a fresh 21 too, so. It was like, yeah, none of the fun times happened in college, but that's right. I've since made up for it. And then while I was in school too, I also got my real estate license um, mm-hmm. or my sale. I should say my salesperson's license. Okay. I've since, um, it came up for renewal um, this last year. And since I have taken the test for the brokers, which is like the next level up and I'm officially a broker. So, <laughs> What's the difference between a broker and just a real estate license? So to get your salesperson's license, you have to take three 45-hour courses. Um, So they're three-unit courses, um, and you have to take three of them. I think it's real estate principles, practice, and something else. Don't quote me on that, though, because it's been a long time since I've taken them. But um, you take those, and then uh, once you're a salesperson, you can sell people houses and you can, um, you know, have that fiduciary relationship that you need to be a realtor or um, a property manager, whatever facet of real estate you get into. But you cannot go out on your own and start your own brokerage or company. You have to always work under a broker. So a broker, the next level up, and that is, I think it's eight or nine courses. I think it's nine courses. Um, so it's roughly about, it'll take you about technically two semesters of college to get through the broker's courses. And then that allows you 
to be able to start your own brokerage, you can hire salespeople underneath you um, as independent contractors. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the broker, you are fronting all the responsibility of their actions. So it's on you to kind of keep everybody to task. Um, Mm. You don't get into any legal issues, but um, you're head honcho and you take a percentage off those salesperson's commission when they bring in a deal. Which is really nice. Did you know that this is what you wanted to do when you first went to college? I knew I wanted to be in real estate and that's still how I feel. Um, I am a property manager and I'm not 100% sure if I want to forever be a property manager. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm very much kind of in a transition myself a little bit, trying to figure that out. Because I've been at my company now for just under three years and uh, they're doing all the right things. They love me, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if I necessarily like this facet of real estate as much as I would others. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. That does make sense. I feel like a lot of people would be surprised that there's so many different avenues in real estate. Because really, when you think about real estate, you think about a real estate agent who sells you the house. Or when you're Mm -hmm. looking to buy a house, it's who you work for or who you work with. Like, I didn't know that in order to be a real estate agent, you had to work under a brokerage. I didn't even know if right. that was a thing until, honestly, until I watched Selling Sunset on Netflix. <laughs> That's when I figured that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real estate is a huge, I mean, uh, the industry is just, it really dictates everything. It dictates our mm-hmm. economy. When the yeah. real estate um, industry plummets, everything follows. Right. Very much cyclical. So, um, yeah, you know, real estate, you can really do. do. There's so much you can do. And it's the opportunities are endless. And is that something they offer in college? Like, can you get your real estate license as a college course or is that separate? You can't. So at SDSU, at least. And I did not take advantage of it like a ding dong because I was rushing through. But um, part of my degree uh, was the real estate emphasis. So it mm-hmm. actually laid out all those brokerage courses. So mm-hmm. if I was patient, which I'm not, I could have taken my mm-hmm. brokers at the end of once I graduated and passed all those courses. But because I wanted to rush through and get my salesperson's license early on and not wait through my gen eds, I went to a trade school. So I went through allied oh. school. And I did those courses to just repeat them when I got into my major. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. annoying. Yeah. Say you didn't go to college and you just went to trade school. Would it technically mm-hmm. be cheaper to go that route than having to pay like a college tuition? Because you would still get the same like education kind of, right? You would still get the license, but it might be kind of cheaper than a state school. Absolutely. Um, okay. I can't remember exactly how much it cost. Far cheaper than school. Let's right. do that. Far mm-hmm. cheaper. So, um, yeah, you can absolutely do that. All right. Well, all this is really interesting because I didn't know any of it. And you know what? Natalie was actually thinking about, <laughs> well, a couple weeks ago, at least. I change my mind every week. So (laughs) she was like, oh, I think it would be so cool to get my real estate license. And I actually think she would be really good at it. Mm -hmm. But she just said she changes her mind every couple weeks. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, I mean, look at how much I knew about it. And I was, you can learn. But yes, that is true. I still think you should get your real estate license. I think everybody should get their real estate license. I think it's a great mm-hmm. thing to have just because it gives you a better understanding of how everything kind of works. There's a yes. huh. weird caveats and stuff. And about, you know, 80% of it, you never end up using. Like the test is so weird in the questions they ask and the way they, you know, format the questions. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it gives you a better understanding of what it means to purchase real property and kind of all the ins and outs of it. From a personal standpoint, it's a great idea to get your real estate license. And then if you don't even use it, at least you're that much more educated when right. you hire a real a realtor or, you know, go to purchase a home or sell a home. And if you do use it, um, you can represent yourself. So, Oh, really? So you could be your own mm-hmm. real estate agent. Correct. Wow. Oh, that's a great idea. paid a commission on it too, by the way. Oh, now that would be worth it. Would you say that the whole process is difficult? Like how long would it, did it really take you to like understand the whole business of real estate? Well, um, the whole business, I don't know if you ever fully understand, but at least the educational like textbook aspect of it, I had kind of a preconceived idea of it just because of how I grew up and, you know, being in a home of real estate professionals. My dad's a broker. My mom was a loan originator for 25 years. So I kind of just grew up in it and I've always had an interest in real estate. So when I took these tech courses and all that stuff, it's like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. Oh, that's real property. That's personal property. That's this, that's that. Um, And so it uh, didn't seem overly difficult, but when it comes time for the test, it's uh, just the the way they ask the questions. It's weird. It's weird. And they really try and trip you up. And everybody will tell you that it's a weird test. <laughs> I wonder why that is. I yeah, wonder uh, why they, <laughs> they try to do that know. to you. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I know when I took my salesperson's test, I didn't feel it as much. When I took uh-huh. the test, you, it's like, oh God, what am I doing? <laughs> you just second and triple check yourself at every question. And then you'd like, go back through. And then I found myself like changing answers. And then it's like, wait, you don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. now you're overthinking it. Yeah. Like, oh, well question 84 said to do this. And this is, you know, question two. And it says, you know, it's basically the same thing. And mm-hmm. just the way the questions are and the way you can answer it, they, oh, they just make it very weird. And it's not a fun, it's not a fun test, but once you get through it, you feel like invigorated and it's great. Uh-huh. And I never have to take it again, so long as I continue do my continuing education, and which I will. I never want to yeah. take that again. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Are you allowed to yeah. take it again after you? If you fail, can you take it again? That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, I was gonna say because it feels like I fail that. <laughs> you can, and you know what? With the brokers, especially, a lot of people do have to take it mm-hmm. um, two and three times. And there is no shame in that at all. It's a tough test. It's a very hard test. Um, and it's four hours. This year, it's four hours. They, it used to be five hours with like a 30-minute break in between, at least for Jeez. California. And it's, it sounds like um, you're becoming a lawyer. 
It's like I you're know. taking the bar. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like the poor man's bar exam. It's kind of that. Yeah. Um, Sounds like it. Yeah, and it's 200 questions, and you think, oh, you know, 200 questions, I took those in college, not that bad, whatever, but just, oh, they're just horrible questions. They're just, oh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, a specific example to give you. Like, maybe Roker Bob didn't know. Okay, so here, like, this is like. <laughs> Natalie and I are going to fail. I oh, love this. My God. Dang it. But it's like, um, Seller Sally sold her house and did not disclose a roof leak. Broker Bob had no um, knowledge of the roof leak. Like he didn't do any due diligence. Well, the roof leaks with the first ring. What is buyer A's recourse? And it's go after the seller. Go after the seller and the broker. Go after the seller, broker, and salesperson. Go after the salesperson. And it's just like, oh, and don't ask me the correct answer because it's been a long time since I've had to take the test. So I'm not going to tell you. And I don't remember. I don't know what it would be. <laughs> oh, man. Because I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I, know it, I know it falls on to the seller because they should have disclosed it. Anything that sellers knowledge yeah. they must disclose. And then the caveats of, um, you know, if the broker, if the broker was negligent in his due diligence, then, you know, there's some... Uh, there's some liability there, but again, don't quote me. I do not do sales, so I have not done it mm-hmm. for, yeah. So it's just not in my daily whereabouts. So if mm-hmm. there is negligence, it would fall on the broker and not necessarily yeah. with the real estate agent. It would be Correct. with the broker who the real estate agent is under, right? Correct. Correct it'd be kind of safe to be a real estate agent because God forbid anything goes wrong. Right. The, the brokerage and kind of takes it, responsibility. Correct. And just, and just to clarify, a broker can still be a real estate agent. Um, oh, okay. And everything. Mm-hmm. They just have the umbrella that allows them to hire people underneath them. But okay. the salesperson is protected. There is a safety net there because of mm-hmm. the broker. The broker is supposed to make sure the salesperson is acting ethically, um, mm-hmm. is doing what he needs to do to make sure the transaction um, is 100% honest, goes through without issue, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, ultimately, the broker is held responsible, and then he has to plead his case as to what his salesperson, you know, did mm-hmm. their job. So mm. you are technically a broker? Correct. Okay. So what, cause you were saying, <laughs> but I don't, but I don't sell real estate and I don't, um, I, I'm a, I'm a property manager. So right. it's totally different, different facet. Um, mm-hmm. you do need technically a real estate license to have a fiduciary relationship with your client. So okay. I am on a team with, um, an, a senior property manager. And, you know, I act on behalf of our clients. And so because of that, I need to have a real estate license, whether or not that's a salesperson or a brokers, you know, you can have either, but because I'm a broker, that's just another feather in my cap. It makes me more desirable than I already am. Yeah. Crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds like you have the best of both worlds when you're a broker and you can sell a property or 
buy one because then you are kind of getting the best of both worlds, right? Exactly. And to put it in perspective too, if you're a broker, you don't need to hire people underneath you. And like my dad, for example, he's a residential broker and a real estate agent, and he had people working underneath him for some time. Uh, but he always found that he liked being on his own and just right. selling property. You have mm. versatility and flexibility, and you're not locked into being underneath somebody. That sounds pretty that nice. That sounds very appealing. Do you have any experience with selling a property at all? Minimal. So okay. while I was in school and um, the salesperson, I quote unquote worked for my dad. And so I would go with him to like listing appointments, um, showing houses. Um, you know, uh, I would do his social media and his marketing um, as much as an uninterested college kid will do at least <laughs> getting paid. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, minimal. Um, the one cool thing that did happen though, was one of my college professors actually knew that I was a licensed salesperson and mm. saw how motivated I was. And during my last semester of school, he asked me to sell one of his investment properties. And so I directed him or I brought my dad in um, because that would have been, it was my first and only sale. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I brought my dad in as the expert to, you know, kind of help me through the process. Um, but it, it was just kind of crazy. And it was an honor to kind of, you know, for him to, you know, put that much trust in me at that. And he knew I had no, he knew I was licensed, but I hadn't sold anything before. But he was like, this will be a good learning curve for you. It's like, oh, this is like uh-huh. real. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot, but um, went great. You know, we got multiple offers in the first day. Sold, I think, oh, wow. 3000 over asking. Wow. Yeah. And quick close, 30 day, one and done. Boom. Got a nice commission. Bought some shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was my big. That's pretty spending. impressive. That was my big purchase. Yeah, I bought some shoes, but they were nice shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and did you enjoy the whole process? Looking back, I liked it. Um, it, it. It was very educational. It was nice to you know be offered it, and it was a great opportunity. In the moment, I was very unhappy because I was in the middle mm. of six midterms. My final semester, oh, I was doing term papers and I was oh, God. not happy. Um, but looking back, he is one, pro- he is the one and only professor that I stay in touch with. And he's always reaching out, asking, you know, how I am. He's a great reference and uh, a great person to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. From the outside looking in, it seems like real estate is a lot about networking and like who you know and who they can connect you with because I would feel like it would be really hard to start out without knowing anyone in the business because then you're kind of just like a really small fish in a very big sea and you're just kind of like floundering around trying to find anything. Like how would you even, I don't know if you know this, but if, how would you find a brokerage? Like do you have to interview with them or like how does that all work? Um, it's not difficult to find a brokerage. Oh, really? Um, they... Because the broker has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes on your responsibility as a salesperson, yes. But 
you know, that's why there's errors in emissions insurance, uh, which basically, it's basically like, you know, kind of like having lawyers on retainer and, you know, you can always, you know, navigate if any issues come up. Uh, but, um, for example, the minute you sign up to take your uh, salesperson's test, you'll be sent mailers and stuff like that from different uh, brokerages in town. Um, mm. Even with, when I even when I took my broker's exam, it was funny. They were like, they all mailed me again, and it was you know Keller Williams, Coldwell Banker, uh, Pacific Sotheby's, um, what's uh, Berkshire Hathaway, just all kind of the main names that are in town. And they're like, Alec, congrats on your real estate license. Let's sell some houses. And it's like, I've had my real estate license for like five years. <laughs> it's like this, I just bounced up to a broker. It's like, it's just funny to me. But um, it's not difficult to find a brokerage uh, because they're making money off of you because you bring in the deal. Right. So if you're fresh out the gate, brand new, um, you'll have a lower split. So, you know, everyone thinks, oh, great, I'm making these huge commissions. And you are still making commission, yes, but they don't have to pay. They don't pay you a salary. You are oh. 100% commissioned. Um, they don't cover your marketing costs usually if you are. Mm. Really? Correct. They don't do anything for you. Wow. Uh, they charge you to use their name. So you they are. They charge you? Agent. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have okay. your. Correct. Yeah, so wow. because you get to, because their whole motto is, well, I'm the big brokerage. I'm Keller. Well, I'm, I don't want to use any specific names, but I'm whatever brokerage I am. So mm. people know that name because I have signs, you know, up and down the block. I clearly, you know, as this broker sell X amount of houses. So because of the reputation I have, you're going to be more likely to mm. have a bigger client base potentially. Mm. And so um, there's really no no oh. loss for the broker to hire you. And you'll probably, if you're fresh, brand new, start with a 50-50 split. And then you have to hit certain thresholds to make it up. And then, of course, if you're a top producer and you're motivated, it's all about motivation and, um, you know, just getting out there and selling a lot. Um, but so long as you do that and you hit those thresholds, then you'll get up to, you can get up as high as a 95-5 split. And that's wow. where you want to be because yeah. you have the cushion of the broker above you to take on and handle all of the legal icky stuff. And all he's taking is 5% off your commission, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you are a top agent, you will get marketing subsidies. Mm. So they will subsidize your marketing costs, which can be multiple tens of thousands of dollars if you're that important and you right. market that. Much. Wow. So it's funny because the, wow. the little guys in the pond have a real, you know, are kind of fighting for the crumbs and to, you know, make mm-hmm. it up, make it up. And you absolutely can, so long as you're motivated and driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you've made it, you're kind of, you're kind of sitting pretty, you know what I mean? Right. Because mm-hmm. then it's all word of mouth. You've done your network. You have that client base anyway, because you have years of knowledge, you have established relationships, you have the brokerage on your side. The brokerage does not want to lose a top agent because even though they're only making 5% off your commissions, that's 5% of multiple, you know, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars 
Whereas Mm -hmm. if you're fresh starting out, Mm. you know, depending on whatever market you're in, you're lucky to sell X amount. And that 50% of that X amount does not compare to that 5% of however hundreds of millions if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Especially I feel like in large markets like Los Angeles and New York, you it's such a range between a very, you know, small amount of commission and then like a crazy amount of commission. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For someone who is just starting out, mm-hmm. how do they build that network and how do they get listings? So it's um, really word of well okay so if i were to and i'm speaking as someone who's not selling real estate but if i were to um want to be a realtor i would first start by kind of honing in on the market that i want to sell so if i want to be in la jolla and i want to sell high-end multi-million dollar properties that's where i have to establish my community so that means spending time where you're selling trying to live where you're selling that part's difficult because it's expensive, you know, depending on if you're trying to, you know, if you're up and coming. Um, and then, you know, it's really just, uh, being charismatic, meeting people, going out to different social events. It's a lot of target marketing too. Um, you know, in today's day and age with social media, um, and the way it is, it makes it, I wouldn't say easier, but more accessible. Uh, mm-hmm. than back in the day when, you know, everything was newspaper ads. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can, if if you're a tech person yourself, you can figure out how to target market or if you want to hire somebody, the expense isn't obscene. Um, and like, for example, with me, I'm not sure about your Instagram ads, but because of how Instagram and everything kind of reads the history on your phone. All of my ads are about listings <laughs> in Diego mm. and all this right. stuff. And at the bottom of that is Mr. So-and-so. And it's like, oh, well, I see you like five times a day. And then it's that subliminal messaging that kind yeah. of sticks in your brain. Of, oh, well, I know who that top broker is in that part of town. That's, you know, whoever. So um, networking is difficult. Everybody does it differently. I am not a fan of the like contrived networking. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. I really like meeting people in a natural setting. I mm-hmm. hate nothing more than a corporate event where everybody's like put on in their suits and like at a convention <laughs> yes. and they're like, hi, I can uh, do this for you. I can do that. It's like, I would much rather be out and about at a nice dinner or something or, you know, and this sounds bad, but at a bar and just mm-hmm. into a normal conversation, meeting people. And it's like, oh, you're in real estate. Oh, cool. It's like, well, you know, I need to do this or I need to do that. And then that's how you kind of naturally establish mm-hmm. a relationship. And that's nice too, because you're not necessarily looking to use somebody for their connection. You're, you know, genuinely enjoying their company. Uh-huh. And so, I love that. Yeah. That's the way I like the network, but yeah. I feel like a lot of the time too, like when you are working with a real estate agent, you kind of have to like who they are because you're going to spend a lot of time with them in the car, oh, yeah. driving around. And it's funny because 
I follow this guy on TikTok who is a real estate agent. I don't know where he lives, but he is so funny. And the way he like (laughs) has all these like free tips and stuff about like, oh, you don't really need this credit score. You can do this, this. And he delivers it in a way that's like super friendly to kind of millennials because he kind of cuts through the bullshit. And I feel like if I was going to have a real estate agent, I want it to be someone like him who's going to like tell me like it is and not use all these big words and try to impress me because I don't really care. I just want to know what I'm getting. How do I get there? And that's it, you know, because I and I feel like social media is a great way for real estate agents to do that and connect with people because before it was kind of just like bench ads and like shopping cart stuff and you didn't really know who they were or what they were going to like deliver you (laughs) and who wants to this sounds bad but who wants to sit on your face on like it's like come oh yeah i'm the girl who gets sat on every day or uh, it's just horrible i hate (laughs) (laughs) but um no social media totally changed the uh it, it changed the game. And think mm. about the cost savings too. I mean, do you know how expensive mm. it is to do those print ads and those huge dream magazines or whatever it may be? To you know, I can only imagine. Oh, it, it, it's very expensive, and so social media is a way to reach out to so many millions more people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, out, uh, without having to spend a grotesque amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to picking a realtor or a real estate agent to work with, I think it's equal parts charisma, equal parts smart. You want your guy to be um, friendly and nice and somebody you connect with because buying a home is one of the most personal things you can do. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, you want, uh, they, they need to be smart. You don't, yeah. uh, just with the whole, whole transaction. Um, there's a lot of steps to it, steps that I'm not necessarily super bursting because I don't deal with it every day, but there's a lot that goes into it and your guy needs to be on his toes um, because, you know, for a lot of people buying a home is their whole life savings. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And there is the risk of losing that. So Alec, what exactly does your job entail? Like what is a day to day look like for you? It can be different every day, but like what, do you do all yeah. day? My job is, it might not be, it might not sound as exciting. And that <laughs> is you know, a reason why I'm not necessarily sold on what I'm doing in this mm. moment. Um, but as a property manager, um, I work for a boutique property management firm um, in San Diego. And uh, every day is different. I oversee about... 1.4 million square feet of mixed use commercial retail space, whatever it may be. So office buildings, shopping centers, um, you know, industrial sites, you name it. Um, and mm-hmm. so as the property manager, I am kind of the go between, between the tenants and the landlord, but I am also mm. the property manager. And this isn't necessarily true for all property management firms like there's a lot of there's a few big names out there who dominate the game and their property managers kind of are run-of-the-mill they're salaried they you know collect the rents they you know help with tenant related issues whatever but in what my job is at my 
my company, it's treated more as a brokerage. So I am working towards getting mm-hmm. a split of the gross receipts, which is what the management uh, contracts are based off of. But yeah, so, you know, a day-to-day thing, I am, you know, you know, hearing from tenants, helping them with whatever issues they have while I'm also speaking to the client. I'm budgeting for them. I'm reconciling expenses. I am, you know, you know, prepping for capital projects. I am, you know, negotiating vendor contracts. Um, there's so many weird little caveats that go into it that you don't even think of. But one of the things that, you know, is a daily thing you can count on is somebody having an issue of some sort. And so you will, mm. uh, I oversee about 350 tenants, 350. Oh my God. And they. <laughs> a lot of complaints. <laughs> a lot of complaints. The funny thing is, and, and this sounds bad, but I'm a very by the book type person. So you know what? I know how your lease is. I know how it reads and every lease is different, but there's kind of a generic form that you follow and that all leases follow. And so for example, if you're at a, a grocery center like a Ralph's or a, a, a Vons, whatever it may be, and then you have your little shop, your shop tenants, your nail salons, your this, your that. Nine times out of 10, those people are on net leases, which basically means they are responsible for everything within their four walls. I, as a landlord, am responsible for everything outside of that. So I make sure the parking lot's maintained, the roofs are maintained, um, landscape, all this stuff. But, you know, things happen and sometimes you have to give a little bit depending on the situation. But a lot of times tenants will think, oh, well, my storefront got bur- burglarized or vandalized. The windows were shattered. You have to cover that. It's like, no, I don't. If you read section mm. nine, oh. you have to cover it and you should have plate glass insurance. Do you not have plate glass insurance? <laughs> so um, it's oh. just, yeah. So it's weird. Um, and especially during these times, it's really difficult too with um, tenant complaints. And, you know, when COVID first hit, um, people would call like the first three week shutdown. Remember that? Where we're like, oh, right. it's only three weeks. Within two days, I had everybody calling. I need my rent abated. I can't afford to pay rent this month. I can't do this. I can't do that. And say, like, okay, well, as a bit of a hard ass, which I can be sometimes. It's like, okay, <laughs> I guarantee in these last two days of you being closed, you did not make your entire month's rent. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. B, you're the business owner. I hate to break it to you, but at least it's a contract. I am giving you a space to operate out of. Sadly, I do not have jurisdiction over, you know, what the governor said we have to do and, you know, the current shutdown. But at the end of the day, you are responsible to pay your bills. And just as you have bills to pay, I have a mortgage to pay. So mm. the funny thing is a lot of tenants will forget when they're talking to me that I am a representative of ownership, which mean, and I, I, I am kind of ownership by having that agency relationship. I'm acting on behalf of ownership. It's like you're talking to the landlord. So mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll forget that they think I work for them and they're like, no, you have to do this. You have to do that. No, no, I don't. And, uh, yeah, so it, it can get a little nasty sometimes. And I really do well. Mm-hmm. At, I try and do well at, you know, taking time to, you know, think exactly how we want to handle this and every situation's different. And so there's give and take with everything. And that's kind of the art of honing in your negotiation skills because, 
you know what, this guy's lease could be coming up in three months. And if he wants you to do this now, uh, you know, can you get that done and then have him renew for another five years? What's that worth to you? I mean, you know, potentially coming in for those five years, that's a stable lease. That's a stable asset. So Mm -hmm. when this first started out, it was, you know, kind of like, okay, everybody calm down, apply for the PPP, get your EIDL loans, chill out. We're not doing um, abatements. We can do deferrals for certain people. Um, but now in, uh, with the latest round of shutdowns, especially for the barbershops and the restaurants that have just really been messed with, you know, being allowed to oh, yeah. force a shutdown. The amount of waste, wasted money for the restaurants, you know, reordering food. And then, you know, a week later saying, no, you got to close again. And Ugh. it's really a shame because the people that do work hard and that didn't come to me within those first two days um, saying, I need help. I need this. I need that. And I'm saying, no, you don't. They are now totally depleted mm-hmm. and they're started. There's been a little bit of a shift. So I'm really hoping that we get out of this soon because it's really made our economy take a nosedive. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just sad because you're on the phone with these people that have, you know, had this business for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever in the same location. And now they're like, well, I genuinely cannot afford to do this anymore. And I need out as soon as possible. This is the last asset I have. Um, And it's nothing. So you need to get me out. And it's like, and it's just horrible. It makes you feel. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, ugh. It's and, a bummer, you know. Yeah. And what can you, what can you like really do about it? Because you don't, you can't. Can you I mean, really do anything you know, for I them? Call, you know, every situation's different. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot like before it got as it is today. You know, you ask for financial information. What financials are kind of backing the business? And you're looking at their sales, and you're looking at you know everything that you to kind of make an assessment of okay, they're you know expense to profit. They're like, you know, P&L statements or profit loss statements, all this stuff. So you're kind of analyzing, doing a lot of accounting work and figuring out, okay, no, this is a sinking ship or, you know, this is mm-hmm. kind of what we can do. Um, but, you know, when it gets to this level, which unfortunately it has for a few people um, specifically that I'm thinking of, it's just a point where it's like, you know, you call the, you call the leasing agent um, and you say, listen, put this up on the market as available for rent. And you talk to your client, the landlord, and you say, you know, look at the sales speak for themselves. This guy is totally done. Uh, let's help him out, you know. So yeah. you really do. It, it depends on each situation. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where every situation is different. It, uh, it is the real, the reality though, right? Like all these yeah. restaurants and like shops are closing down. People who have been in business for like 30 years all of a sudden are like, yeah, not yeah. able to ever reopen. But right. would you consider your job a nine to five? Like, are you getting these calls between work hours? Do you like structure? Are you getting calls at 2 a.m.? Like, is it 24 seven for you? 24-7. I feel like I've never worked harder for less money is kind of the motto <laughs> as of late. Um, it, uh, 20, it is 24-7. Not only, uh, you know, we have a 24-7 uh, answering service or whatever. So right now I'm actually the on-call manager. So that means 
there's oh, a wow. possibility that at 12 a.m. I'm going to get a phone call that you know, oh. somebody's been broken into or something's going on or this or that. And it usually doesn't happen. It's not like I'm being woken up out of a sound sleep. It is very rare. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the job doesn't ever seem to really stop. It really mm-hmm. depends on kind of the work that comes in and everything. Um, and so, you know, I, I tend to run at full force. And as of late, uh, the time I've spent in the office and it, you would think it's crazy. I've been in every Saturday for, I can't tell you how many weeks now. And I'm, you know, waking up at four thirty, answering emails and all this stuff. So it doesn't sound great wow. now, but when it's good, it's good, you know? Uh-huh. So right. For as many times as I'm, you know, working crazy hard, I could, you know, take an afternoon off and I could say, no, you know what? I'm zenning out. I'm doing this. I'm going to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. um, it is nice in the sense that you kind of build your own schedule, but mm-hmm. you have to keep up with it. Right. I feel like mm-hmm. a, that's what a lot of people miss about these kind of jobs where they think they can make their own schedule all the time that it's so glamorous. But the reality is you're working on the weekends and you take like a Monday off when all your friends are working. So it's not like you're like partying when right. everyone else is. Yeah. It's kind of like you have very strange hours compared to your peers in a way. It's all dependent upon how successful you want to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, since I'm in the early stages of my career, and, um, you know, let's say I stick with management. Well, I'm working to, you know, I really want to network a lot. I want to meet a lot of high network individuals. I want to, you know, get in the right rooms with investment groups, whatever I need to do so I can pull them in and say, Hey, I can manage this asset for you. And then I, as a property manager, will get a percentage off of the gross receipts and, so in that sense, it's a lot kind of like selling real estate where you're working off commissions because at least it, with the company I work with, your management fees, quote unquote, are kind of like your commissions. The nice thing about management is mm-hmm. that where a realtor, it could go months or years or however long without selling a house. I have that monthly base income that I can always count on because in the management agreements, it says, okay, you will pay, you know, three and a half or four and a half percent of gross receipts or X amount of dollars, whichever is more. So uh-huh. in the biggest recession, um, I have kind of a safety net of, uh-huh. you know, at least collecting that minimum. And so long as you don't get fired off the account or resign from it, which there is that possibility still, you know. I'm doing better than a, a, a realtor who hasn't sold a house for two years. Like when 2008 hit and everything stalled mm-hmm. out, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so in that respect, yeah. management is a nice spot to be in because there is more, right. there's risk, but there's more stability. Very fascinating. Yeah. This is a really whole is. side to real estate that I have never even heard about or knew existed. So yeah, it's really interesting. It's totally different. Um, I never thought I wanted to be in management. I wanted to, my, my dream, and could still be my dream, I don't know, is to <laughs> be in uh, development. You know, I kind of want to be head honcho. I want to 
decide what's going to happen. And so as a real estate mm. developer, you kind of dictate you're, you're building something from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, and this is, this could be my naivety for being relatively young and still learning and all that stuff. But I think the key is learn how to invest, figure it out and then get money behind you. And that's where the networking comes in and you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, take those steps to, uh, you know, you know, maybe acquire some properties and, you know, operate them at a profit and then you build from that and that and that, and then you can, you know, totally build something new and huge and exciting and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. I just want to be the boss. That's all I want to be the boss. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame the you. Boss. <laughs> be the boss man. Okay, so going off of that, what is your least favorite part of what you do, and what is your favorite part of of what you do right now? Right now, my least favorite part is lack of. It's not lack of recognition, but it's a very. If you're looking for hurrah hurrahs in management, you're not going to get mm-hmm. it because while your clients really like you, you know, I have about twenty clients or so between these properties. That's great you're dealing with 350 other people who don't <laughs> necessarily mm. like you. And so <laughs> I have, you know, certain tenants who just think I am the meanest, most apathetic person that they've ever met. And I, how dare I, you know, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Like, for example, they'll report a roof leak. Okay. And I'm a very organized person. I keep tabs on everything. I work like I'm going to be audited. So you can always track what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Um, but for example, somebody will report a roof leak. Say, okay, great. Well, I get that call. I get those pictures. I go on site even, you know, I'll, I'll see it for myself. I will make the appropriate, take the next steps to make sure that's taken care of. What the tenant doesn't see is, you know, this quote unquote one step process can very quickly turn into a three and a four and a five where it could, Oh, it's not necessarily a roof leak. It's a, a broken line from the HVAC and it's this and it's that. And so all this stuff. And so the tenant then thinks, Alec, you've been sitting on this for weeks or a month or whatever. And, you know, what are you doing? You're not doing your job and you need to fix this for me. It's in the lease that you're responsible for the roof. And it's like, I understand I'm responsible for the roof. I am doing everything I can as much as I would like to manage every single person's schedule in my Rolodex. I can't, you know. Yeah. And the roofer has other jobs he has to go to. The HVAC person has other jobs they have to go to. And so there's a lot of time where the manager, you know, kind of gets kicked where it hurts mm. and yeah. got to learn to take <laughs> it um, to an extent. And, um, you know, so that's probably my least favorite thing about the job. And there's one tenant in particular that we <laughs> moved out at the end of the year. And, oh, my God, it was like... I could have popped champagne right then and there. I should have brought champagne to the move out. I should have. (laughs) Bye. Doors that way. Leave. (sighs) But um, so that's probably my least favorite part is the fact that people think, oh, you know, apathetic property manager is not doing anything. Yeah. Believe it or not, I have 350 other of you and I am working very hard and I make sure to do everything I can to get this remediated quickly. So please give me a little bit of time. So that's my least favorite part. My favorite part would probably be, um, kind of the excitement and the, 
Um, the fact that every day is different. I really like capital projects and things like that. So capital projects is when you're improving the property. So mm. um, it's funny the things you think of and get excited about, but like a lobby remodel in an office building. And it's like, Ooh, well, you know, we got to pick out these finishes and we got to do this and we got to do that. And we got to oversee the contractors. And that's another thing, by the way, that you as a manager can make money on is being a project manager. So you can go to your client and say, mm. listen, um, instead of hiring a GC at whatever percentage, you can have me tasked with looking over all these other subs and making sure this gets done to spec and in time and there's more money you can make. Um, so I really like, you know, upgrading the property, budgeting for big things like that. That's always fun. Um, that'd probably be my favorite thing. And then just the fact that every day is different and the people you meet and most of the time, you know, you're having good relationships and fun and you're out of the office and you're talking to interesting people and, you know, just learning about their life and things like that. So I don't want to poo poo management. It is fun. Mm -hmm. There are definitely fun aspects of it, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's probably my favorite thing. Yeah. It mm-hmm. sounds like you deal with a lot of different personalities and that yes. it's never a dull moment. There's never <laughs> one thing. There is never a dull moment. Never mm-hmm. a dull moment. And I'm probably a pretty polarizing personality myself. So no. <laughs> not necessarily dying to see me either. So I will say you seem very knowledgeable and on top of your stuff. So if I were someone, I would want you to be my property manager. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, buy something and I'll manage it. (laughs) I hope someday. I know, right? (laughs) Someday. Yeah. And maybe that's like the best thing too. That's, that's what I'm kind of gearing towards is where I think management would be extra, extra fun is you know, getting the money behind you and investing and then you having that stake and managing your own assets. Mm. So that's why, mm. that's what yeah. I really think would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Cause then you have a, for a real deal stake in it. You're not just the go between you are the person. So it just right. yeah. change the way it doesn't necessarily change the way you operate, but it, you know, there's something you feel to, uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, Alec, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who is interested in doing what you do and they're just starting out and they want to get to where you are? Well, I mean, you know, the crown the, the crown is high. You know, you got to climb, climb, climb. No. The <laughs> crown uh, is high. crown is high. That's not even uh, the thing, but you know. The I asked you was. Uh, I've been Continue. watching too much New York Housewives. Um, yeah, you have. I really have. No, but for um, advice, I would say, um, I, I know it sounds cliche, but you really are in charge of your own destiny. And um, you have to 100% be motivated and driven because that will determine your success. Um, and that's true of any career, but I would say that have a thick skin, specifically if you want to get into management, have a thick skin. It's definitely not the most rewarding with some of the uh, conversations and conflicts you're going to have, but when it is rewarding, it's really rewarding. Um, And just uh, 
know your worth. That's the big one. Always know your worth. I tend to be oh, very vocal huge. about my worth, if you can't tell. So I, uh, I, I think that, <laughs> you, you know what, your time and your, um, and your drive is valuable. And you can have somebody who's not necessarily the sharpest tool of the shed, but so long as they try and do their best job, you're gonna, that person's gonna soar over a lackadaisical, lazy, book smart, you know, person, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So know your worth mm-hmm. and that fight for sense. it. Yeah. I think that is extremely valuable advice to anybody in any field. Yeah, that, that's yeah. any field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, before we go, I want to ask you one question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as someone in real estate, do you watch shows like Sunset <laughs> oh, or Million Dollar Listing? And what do you think about those shows? Are they very contrived or do they seem like realistic? They're contrived. I do watch them and I do enjoy them. Um, and you know, you know, seeing all the houses, I mean, come on. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? But mm-hmm. when it comes to the negotiations and like, if you're, you know, watching Josh Altman and Josh flag, you know, duking it out in front of, you know, the Beverly Wilshire, it's like, okay, nothing ever happens <laughs> like that. And the I, know, other, I always wonder about that. Nothing ever happens like that. And the other piece of advice too, is at least kind of what, what I think my style of negotiation is, is you want to be as nice as possible, at least going in, because you have to work with this person if this transaction goes through. And real estate circles are small. And in my brief time of being in commercial real estate in San Diego, I run into so many people um, where you would not expect. And, you know, you never want the shoe to be on the other foot in a negative way. Um, so. Mm-hmm. It, you be nice. It's not yeah. all, it's not, it, it is sharky to an extent, but it's not sharky if that makes sense. So you, you're not yeah. going to make a big fuss and be an ass at the beginning of the negotiation. Yeah. Once you get the deal going and <laughs> your, your, your inspections and you want your uh, sell the seller to handle certain things, then you're firm, but you always have professionalism and mm-hmm. You don't act like a fool, like those shows <laughs> yeah. make them look like they're acting or as they are acting. It's silly. Yeah. Yes. I had to throw some reality TV in there. Of course you did. reality TV. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and then I think we just have our last question. We ask everybody that comes on the show the same question. What is something mm. that you are currently undecided about? Could be anything. Anything? Anything. Yeah. So. Oh. Um, well, I know I'm, I'm probably more decided than undecided, but I really want a puppy. <gasps> oh, Please get one. Oh, do it. I want, do it. A, I want a Westie. Do you, the little secret <gasps> dogs, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Do it. Please do, do it. it. I've like, do it. I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty deep. I've already, like, looked up, like readers and like shelters and all that stuff. And I've looked up how their temperament is and what to feed them. And mm-hmm. I really want a Westie. 
this is the perfect time. I know. Yeah. We're all still at home. You can train a puppy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish I would have done it at the start. Who doesn't want a little white puff? A friend of mine too. Just got uh, just got a puppy. It's it's still growing, so she doesn't have it yet. But she told me she ordered a baby Bjorn to like hold it <laughs> to her for when she's working from home on her mm-hmm. treadmill desk. It's like okay, how how over the top are are you? Your dog's on you in a baby Bjorn while you're treadmill walking and answering emails. Okay, okay, love it. Oh, I'm into <laughs> it. I love it. <laughs> I would do the same thing. Do it. I say go for it. There's no better time than right now. I think so. Hope you do it. I want it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely (laughs) – that's not an undecided. That's been decided for you. It's happening. Yeah, we have decided for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's all we have. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about all of this. Yeah. And I feel like I am. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm much. I think we're educated on real estate now than I I was before. So I feel like I learned a lot. Get your real estate. Yeah. That's I know. Do it. Do it. That for both I know. I wish I was taking notes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not scary hard. So do it. No. Yeah. That was something that I was undecided about, but I think you've sold me on it. Yeah. yeah. I think I want to do mm-hmm. it. Next time so, we talk, Natalie might have taken Natalie notes. might be a friendly competitor. She might be a force oh. to be reckoned with. <laughs> I could only like, dream. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's a little too literally. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for yes. having me. And I think our listeners have learned a lot and we'll definitely have you back on because I feel like they're gonna they're gonna have more specific questions that maybe we didn't get to. So yeah, yeah and I want to learn more myself. So and hopefully I'll know more too when I'm back on. Who knows? I might totally change perspectives you never know you might change careers within the field you never know exactly all righty so to be continued thank you guys all right well so nice to meet you nice meeting you good to see you again i know we need to hang out in real time i know after this is all over next time we're gonna do it in person we'll have a cocktail it'll be great Yep. Yes. I also <laughs> want a bartender on staff so I can have cocktails throughout because I finished mine about 30 minutes ago and it's killing for another one. Joey is going to be our personal bartender. <laughs> That's all I need. All I need. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> bye. All right. All right bye. bye. Isn't he great? Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. He, is um, he should be an attorney. I know. He should be a real estate attorney. Honestly, that'd probably be a very good job for him because he probably would have to work less and make more. Yeah. I mean, he's just absolutely smart. Um, I have a special announcement. What? I'm going to law school. <laughs> and I'm not joking either. <laughs> but I'm also going to get my real estate license because he just convinced me. But yeah. Um, what? 
I'm going to law school. Why? Well, here's why. Where? I'm studying for the LSAT, so it honestly just depends on – so it'll still be a while because the better I do on the LSAT, the higher chances I will of getting a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So I have to do really, really well on the LSAT, which is wait, doable. You, wait, so you take it first? And the LSAT you take first because the LSAT is like a critical thinking test that determines – basically they think that by taking it, it'll determine whether or not you will be successful in law school, like whether you can handle it. Mm-hmm. So you take the LSAT. The better you score on that, the better schools you get into. Who decided this? Okay, well, here's why <laughs> I decided this. Here's why. Okay. First of all, it's something that's very doable for me because I enjoy school mm-hmm. and I think that law school is something I could handle. It's something I'd be successful at. Mm-hmm. Reason number two, I'm getting a little bit nervous because I'm almost 30 and I have absolutely no career path and no like plan. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that by doing this, I will at least have enough opportunities. Even if I don't become, like I don't necessarily become an attorney, I will be, it opens the doors to do so many other things. Right. So like I can be a corporate attorney, entertainment lawyer, or That's I can work true. on like real estate contracts or something like that. So it would just open the door to having a real career. Cause I'm just, if I continue on the path that I'm on right now, I'm literally going to be a destitute 30-year-old living in my mother's garage. <laughs> so I'm getting a little nervous. Like what's the timeline for that? Like you take it in like a year, mm-hmm. six months, three months? So I don't know how soon I would go because mm-hmm. I have a lot to plan out for that. Okay. So you're going to be a lawyer. I think so, Logan. Isn't that weird? And here's the thing. I keep thinking about because I I I've been a little bit excited about it and a little bit nervous and a little bit like sad because I keep thinking by going to law school, am I giving up on music and like declaring that I'm a failure at everything? No. But I think I can still do both. You can do both. You can do both. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You just haven't even tried to do the one thing. Music. Yes. You haven't yeah. like done it even no. part time yet. So no. maybe this will actually light a fire underneath you because you'll be constantly like kind of working in school and stuff. So you you will already technically be on the grind. Yeah. So maybe you'll be more motivated to also like work on get music. more done I don't know that's how yeah, I kind of always think felt that like if you're if you're working on one thing you're kind of more motivated to work on other things you know yes I think that's how I feel because I think like with this whole second round of shutdowns mm-hmm. and it's like really hit me of oh shit I don't have a long-term plan that is sustainable like mm-hmm. I just can't keep going and I can't be relying on like free people or these little like <laughs> logo jobs here and there. That's just not long-term. Right. And so now I'm kind of thinking I have to get serious and yeah. like actually make moves forward or else I'm going to be, I find another year has gone by and I'm in the same position that I am now. Well, you know, this is actually the perfect year to do it though, because this is the, again, 2021 is going to be a year of flux. Yeah. You don't really know what's happening. So it's a great Probably year a lot to of get online. Edu- 
get educated, yeah. figure out if you even like it, and then yeah, like yeah. go for it. Yeah. Why not? You know, everyone's kind of just like floating around anyway. I know. So I might as well. Might as, might well. as well go for it. I think it's great. I think you should do it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Undecided Podcast. And if you're interested in reaching out to Alec, we'll have his information in the show notes as well as Instagram. Maybe you want to connect with him or you want to sell some real estate in San Diego. We never know. Mm -hmm. Until next time, we'll see you next week.